Psst. Hey, you. Want access to exclusive secret ops intel? Check out the link in the description. Once you've really built up that skill set, it's really learning how to bend and flex within that structure. Like I kind of like to describe it as like that's the structure is like the masculine, you know, the, the, the structure of a business, but then the feminine can come through and bend and flex and get creative and move within those systems and processes and, and people as well. So yeah, I think learning how to be adaptable and flexible when you start working with different people is really, really important. Welcome to Secret Ops, the podcast uncovering the world of operations, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Ariana Cafone, and today's guest is Lauren Lee, online business manager and founder of OBM Associates. Today, we dive into the world of online business management, which, to be honest, I had no idea what it was and what that work did in the relation to the larger picture of a business. So luckily, Lauren obviously does and really unpacked it for me to understand what does the day-to-day look like, how does it differ from a chief operating officer, and what other tips and tricks she's learned throughout the years that we could bring into our work. So on to the show. Lauren, welcome to Secret Ops. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. I really appreciate you joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. Me too. I I was just telling you, I was introduced to the world of online business management from one of my team members, Andrea, who I adore. And she just cracked open like this whole new realm that I had no understanding of. And then I realized, oh, if I don't have an understanding of this, we need to get others to also do that. So we wanted to bring you on to talk about that world. I guess to start though, you know, what was your journey to online business management? How, how did that whole path kind of unfold itself? Mm. Okay, yeah. So I, I guess I fell into it really when I was around 19, 20 years old and I joined this financial services company as their temporary receptionist. So I was only meant to be there for six months. I was also working as a, a, a receptionist in a hotel. I've been there for years. Uh, but I went part-time there and took a part-time role um, in financial services. And I essentially grew up in that company. I was there for like 11 years. But I, as soon as I got involved, I was learning about all the different departments. And I was learning about all the processes and trying out all the systems. And I was just naturally interested and gravitated towards those different like business areas. And after about five years, I'd learn all the things and I was promoted to European business manager and it was like okay now it's serious <laughs> I was I suppose I was a little bit scared at the time because I was like oh my god I'm a manager now and I kept saying that to myself I'm like all right I'm a manager and I'm responsible for all these people so I had a, a remote uh, team across uh, European of- offices and I would visit them and manage the operations and processes across all those entities I would implement and roll out the ISO standards. So then once they were rolled out, we would then maintain them. So I learned that's when I really got stuck into like the processes and data security. And, you know, it's not just 
tech. It's also like the security of the building and protecting the data and the storage of data in that way as well. So that was really interesting. And I really loved that as well. And I was involved in the audits. So that was really cool. And then... I just got to say, like, not everybody to be like, yeah, ISO certification <laughs> audits. Love this. <laughs> It's funny because, it, it, yeah, do you know what? This is going to be a really great conversation because I, I realize how normal this is for me. The online business management is so normal to me. And it's like, yeah. I, I suppose I thought you know, everybody knows about it. <laughs> but then when I'm like, yeah, everybody loves audits if they love processes. But no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Maybe they don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I, and then I had the opportunity to be involved in like new business acquisition. So I built an office from scratch. We acquired a new building and an office space, and we built that out. And I absolutely loved those like big scale kind of projects. And that was really interesting because I got to see a business really grow from you know the founding stage right up to I think we got to about forty people before I left that business. And that was really interesting because then I was responsible for onboarding new team members, making sure they were settled in, they understand their role, their processes. And I was really like liaising them with like the executive team and stakeholders and, you know, different positions in the business. Um, and then I also was, was relocating other offices as well. So we would review the like the lease agreements, we would re, uh, relocate other offices. So we would build a new office, we would move the people over the IT infrastructure, you know, lay out the operations, update all the ISO standard uh, processes, and then put that office back to normal. And I think I did about six of those projects um, during that time, So, and I loved it. But like I said, after 11 years, I feel like I've got to a point where, is, you know, is this it? Like, have I done all the things that I can do? And I, I was kind of ready for, for a new challenge. And while that was happening, I think I was approaching 30. So I think that's like a natural um like divider line yeah absolutely asking yourself questioning yourself and I had the opportunity to take redundancy and I thought well yeah let's do it you know I'll I'll be able to get a job anywhere I've got all these skills I've done all these things and I remember going into quick thing for those not in the UK can you explain what redundancy is just yeah. yeah Get that when somebody asked me that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when, well, it's funny actually, because essentially they're saying that your role is no longer required within the business, but it very much was, but just not to the extent that they needed it. Um, mm. So that's where that opportunity came from. And then, you know, you get quite a nice pay packet when you've been there quite a long time. So I think that was obviously like a supporting factor to be like, yeah, do you know what? Let's take the packet. Let me go and get a new job, new challenge, new people, new pr- no, all the new things that I was, I suppose, I was itching for. And um, yeah, walking into these job interviews with my like, portfolio of work, all laminated, of course, <laughs> so everything in there, and I couldn't get a job. I could not get a job. The, what? I know the companies were saying that you are just too overqualified for the role. And, you know, I think my role in financial services was quite unique in itself because it did span across so many different entities. And the roles that I was going for were very based in the UK. And maybe it was a project management role or an operations manager. And I just had such a huge skill set. But at the time, I was like, well, I have no idea what this even is. Like, I had no idea. I just so that you know too, I also had that same experience where yeah. I had these roles and I didn't really know what the next step was. And I was applying for a lot of project management, you know, product management. And 
they just couldn't see the through line there, even though the skills are similar in some ways. But yet it's hard when it's not a (laughs) one-to-one, especially I think that's tough when you're looking at the recruiting side of things. You know, if you have a background that's a little bit different, it's kind of hard to be able to be like, oh, this is the right candidate for these roles, even though you're very qualified, right? So that's a tough challenge, especially as we now are having more jobs and going to different businesses year after year it becomes a different kind of situation. Anyway, you're not alone in that. I felt that too. And it's quite frustrating when yeah. you've got all this, all these things, the hunger to learn, the hunger to do new things and nowhere yeah. to go. And it's interesting because I didn't have anybody like, like you in my space to have that conversation with or anybody who actually... And I think this is, well, this is still true today. It's like, who understood what I really did in that role? Unless you worked with me, you had no idea what I was capable of or what I was doing. You know, nobody had no idea. Or the importance of it. Yeah, the importance and the need for it as well. So yeah, I think I was even looking at job roles, being like, okay, project management of this. And I'm thinking, ooh, just that? (laughs) Is that enough? (laughs) Am I going to get bored? So, you know, but, you know, then it comes to a point where, well, I do actually need to get one of these jobs. So (laughs) I thought I I actually ended up um, suggesting to my partner, you know, maybe this is our opportunity to to travel. So we'd, you know, we'd really focused on our careers throughout our 20s. We bought the house together. We invested in property. It's like the only thing that we've not done that we've always really wanted to do was travel. And he said, as long as I can get the cat, a cat sitter, then we can go. <laughs> so, super important. Super important. Uh, it super is. Very important. So I called in the sister. She came in, moved in back to the house, looked after the cat. And we, after one week of us getting married, we flew into India and we traveled for 18 months across Asia and Australia. And it was during that time, I suppose having that break and that space from the role that I was doing, like I was literally running around like a headless chicken in my twenties in business, you know, in that company, but also personally as well. Like I never took a day off to be at home. It was always to travel. So yeah, we, we traveled at that time. I was like, well, what is it that I'm going to do when I get home? Like, what do I want to do? Which was such a beautiful place to be in, but also a really, really scary place to be in. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I didn't, there was something in me that was like, I don't want to go back to corporate. Like I don't think I'm meant to, to be in that environment. But it was, a, and it was a tough, I remember it was a tough six months of that first part of our trip because I was like trying to really figure out what it is that I was meant to do. And I naturally, you know, set up an Instagram travel page. And then I was like, oh, this mar- all this marketing on- online is super interesting. And I was like learning on masterclasses. And then one thing led to another of, okay, how can you earn money online and travel? So I'd kind of fell down that rabbit hole. And I built a website, I started blogging, I learned about affiliate marketing, I kind of dove into that area. And then I eventually landed on the online business manager role. And I was on the mm-hmm. on the tip of like, okay, it's this virtual assistant role that exists online. And I'm reading it like, it's not quite me. This isn't quite me. I know I can do so much more, but then I found this online business manager role and I was like, oh my this is like my career that I've been doing so far online I was like oh my god this could not be any more perfect and it that was just an instant like no-brainer no-brainer and man and that that's was like, like a gold mine because it's it's that thing where you're searching for it for so long and then like I tell a lot of people when they're in their in college, like the thing that you're going to do is probably like doesn't exist today, right? It doesn't exist. And then you'll stumble upon it. And then it's like, 
you know, it sounds like that was your lived situation, trying to figure out where's where's your niche based on all of this experience that you had that you can't really even quantify in a job, right? You can't like, you just know so much and then you stumble upon this. So what was that like once you realized, oh my gosh, this is a thing, I want to do it. Where did you go from there? So I was diving into like, what are the systems? Like what are mm. the systems that, that, that need to exist in a business infrastructure that's not in an office, but is online? Like what does that actually look like? But it kind of is the same, which I think is the beauty of it. So like when I was in, in the corporate job, in, the, in that corporate role, we transitioned from Microsoft to Google so that we could live uh, operate in a more collaborative environment with like Google Docs and being able to work on the same sheet together. None of this like saving version one and version two and version oh, yeah. three. And oh God, yeah. I can't believe that existed now when I think about what we can do. And we also implemented a project management tool called Asana. And oh, I loved that. I loved that system. And I still do today. And I was like, right, okay, well, that's it. I'm having a sauna and I'm having my Google workspace. What's next? What else do I need? And then it was like, okay, what about a CRM system? What does that look like? And I'd done some research, you know, in the market, what's the best platform? And Dubsado was like the leading platform. I was like, right, okay, I'm diving into that. I'm learning that. I'm actually specialized in that system now, which and I still think is the best on the market. And yeah, just learning as many systems as I could possibly you know, spend that time whilst I was traveling. Again, I've got this amazing opportunity and space to actually focus on research. And there's a lot of people that transition from the offline world, I guess, onto the, into the online without that break. And it can be very difficult to transition from, you know, working within like an office environment to then becoming like an entrepreneur and then, yeah. you know, trying to run your own business. And, you know, that's a whole another conversation but yeah that's that's kind of how it how it evolved well it's interesting because uh, you know if you're in any sort of role that is operational and you're used to learning new things, creating structure, researching, figuring out things you don't know. But I found that learning curve was even intense when I like left a full-time job, started my own business as an entrepreneur, you know, my own little mini tiny startup that I was like, oh my God, what is this thing that I need to have? Like, I've never heard of this thing. Like, or the certificate of this, oh, where do I do that? It's so funny, all those tiny little things that you only stumble upon when you start your own thing that you just, you might have knowledge on, but it is a different world and it's a different mentality because it's your own. It's not somebody else's. So you have full ownership of it. It feels very different. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the main thing that comes into that is like discipline. We're then talking about mm. our own intentions. You know, you've not just got to like wake up with the alarm, get, you know, the training to work and sit at the desk and do the thing because you've then got other people around you that kind of, I suppose, motivate you to then get, you know, get the role done. Whereas, you know, you can get up at whatever time you want as an entrepreneur. You can do the work whenever you want to do the work. <laughs> so you've really got to have the discipline. Yeah, that transition can be tough. So talking about an online business manager, if people are new to that like terminology, that role, where does it sit within an organization? And what does the day-to-day typically look like? I know that's hard because I'm sure every day looks very different. But what is that kind of – where are they the glue? I'll put it that way. So – when we kind of describe an online business manager, they are essentially that operational, the operations manager. And they kind of sit in between the CEO of the business and the team. So they act as almost like a filter. 
So they can kind of protect the CEO's space, energy, capacity, time, while they can focus on whatever they need to focus on. And then the online business manager role can then liaise with the team, execute with the team, delegate to the team from those like strategy sessions that the OBM and the CEO would naturally have like maybe every fortnight or every month. And that information then gets delegated to the team and then they're working with the team to like, execute on those goals. So that's where they naturally sit within a business in the online space, which is quite similar, I suppose, in you know, in a corporate environment, although I think you would naturally have a C-suite. So that yes. role would, would essentially be like that COO, chief operating officer. Got it. So is that the main differentiator like between a COO type of role and an online business manager is the kind of business or the business structure? How would you, I guess like if, if I'm listening as a CEO, how would I know which one I need for my situation? Yeah, that's a really good question. I and mean, I get asked this all the time. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I, ha- I had to ask it. <laughs> and I think especially because, you know, the online space is like the wild, wild west. You know, anybody can call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. So for a CEO trying to identify what it is that they need, I think that is a really good question. And I think the COO, you know, I've transitioned more into that role now. And I do think it comes with experience and it's strategy. So, you know, somebody coming from corporate into the online space, wanting to kind of call themselves a COO, might not necessarily know the strategies or, you know, or have their own bespoke strategies that, that they've tried out and tested in the online space. Now, you, you know, same again, I suppose, coming, even if a COO in a corporate organization transitioning into the online space, again, there's going to be some different factors, some different strategies that you're going to need to like learn and you, you know, try and test. So for me, I think it's the, it's the strategy piece really that's different between an online business manager and a chief operating officer in the online space. Yeah, just hearing it back, an online business manager really takes these strategies and translates them across all the different work streams of the business, the technology, the people, the process. Like that translation piece is vital. Whereas mm-hmm. potentially a COO is someone that is like creating that strategy based on their experience and then potentially helping to translate. But but there is that kind of like strategic collaboration piece that potentially comes with the COO. And that's based on like the years of experience. That's oh, just like yeah. what I think I'm gathering yeah, as I'm learning. Suggest that, that it's like the experience and having mm. tried and tested working with so many different people, different types of business models, with different types of strategies. But you know, there is some overlap. So, like, as yeah. part of my role as a COO, I still like to handle you know part of the team management because I want to be within the operations. And I think it's very difficult for a COO to kind of take that full step back unless they've got an online business manager who, you know, can also do that for them, managing the team and still managing the operations, but then really working really closely with the COO to, like, understand how the operations are operating, how they're working, are they, are they optimised, is everything streamlined? So I think that those, there can be a crossover, but those two roles can also work really, really well together as well. Well, it makes sense too, because I find that some of the hardest things that I'm navigating in a COO role is being able to keep up with the technology evolution that's happening, right? All of a sudden, 
the speed of the release of tools is insane. <laughs> so like even I was talking to Andrea, my team, and I was like, listen, I want to try and figure out how to take this and translate it into a YouTube thing. And she's like, oh yeah, here's this tool that in the past would have taken me hours to do. And it was like, you know, 15 minutes and it was wow. done. And those are things that come down to awareness. When you're executing, you find these hacks, you test these things. Like that is such a complementary thing to the more strategic piece. You can't have one without the other, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You can have the strategy, but it's not, if it's not rooted in reality, it's, you know, mm -hmm. what you're doing, right? Yeah, that's not. Yeah. If we go into the trifecta then of operations, because, you know, this is all tied together, let's talk about the people piece. Because I think that from your experience, you know, ultimately operations needs to serve people. And an online business manager is like responsible for the traffic controller of everything. So when you start working with a client, how do you lay the groundwork to get the best results? as an online business manager? Like how do you begin that relationship to build the pieces of the operations? Mm. So I always tend to start with a 90 minute strategy session that mm. kind of covers off so many different areas within the business. So it's actually looking at that trifecta. So it's like, okay, well, what, what systems have you currently got in place? You know, what's working, what's not working? Do you like this platform? Do you not? What's giving you a headache? What isn't? And then it's like, okay, now let's have a look at the people. You know, what team have you currently got in place? What team do you think that you need? I think that's always a fantastic question. Like, what do you, what team do you think you need? Like, what structure? And they'll be like, oh, I need this person and this person and this person. And all of a sudden, they've got, I need 10 people. And, you know, essentially, we, we probably don't. We need like one or two and we can build like a really, really lean team. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I think it's, you know, those, those parts of the, strategy session that we focus on also then includes them goals as well so like what is it what is it that we're trying to achieve what are we looking at you know what's the next 10 years look like and then we work backwards to five years year quarterly all the different things and then we look at the systems again and we say okay well the systems that we've got in place is this is this scalable is this going to allow to scale the business is going to support the scalability of it or not do we need to switch out systems at this point to make sure that you've got the best systems in place are these systems even integrated with each other you know in corporate there's developers in there that can just build systems you know in the online space cost the developers but we're really looking at the systems that are already available to us that might naturally integrate without us having to use like a third party platform like Zapier or anything like that and then it's looking at those people like who do we need to execute then on these different processes to match the goals that you're trying to achieve so we can really like break it down then to then build that infrastructure that's scalable but also sustainable as well so depending on how new that business might be or whether they've been operating for a decade you know do we need to invest in all these people straight away probably not and it's probably not a financial decision to make you know in the beginning so what can we focus on on now and then once we kind of get those key systems in place, like sometimes clients will come to me and there's like no communication tool. It's like, okay, so how are you actually communicating with your clients or other businesses? Mm. How are you communicating with your team if you've got a team? And they're like, oh, yeah, WhatsApp or email. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> when I hear email, I'm like, no. It's just, yeah. it's just like where productivity goes to die. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, 
<laughs> especially internally as a team. But listen, I also think that like Slack and other things like that, that's also where productivity can go to die. Any communication uh, tool, it's dependent on you use it, but email just is a trap for, I don't know, for some reason it's a trap for us. Yeah. And I think like what you said at the beginning, it's like how how do we build the operations to support the people? Mm. And everybody's operating out. And I always look at business from a holistic perspective as well. So like, how can the operations support those people? Personally, anybody who's operating out of WhatsApp, that does not support anybody personally. You know, when I go to my phone and I want to message my mum, I don't want to see any messages in there from clients or team members or anything like that. So that, for one, me, like, like that protects your energy and your personal time. Mm. So implementing a platform like Slack, but maybe just for emergencies, I think is a really good idea. So, you know, so that you're actually then operating within your project management tool and you can comment in on the actual task at hand. So you, then you've got that trail that you can read back on. And again, and it's, and it's switching those processes like that, that communication process to focus on the project management tool first. Then Slack is like a backup when you really just need to grab somebody or you want to share your screen with someone or drop a voice note. You know, sometimes I love a voice note and it's just so much easier to be like, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. I'm like an addict to Loom. My husband's oh, like, you're yeah. always just recording Loom videos. I'm like, I know. It's the best. It's the best. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's a really, really powerful way to like, you know, the systems support the people, you know. Yeah where it becomes the operations just so important. Well, we, you know, already actually dipped into the technology piece of figuring out how they integrate, figuring out the best tools. And, and a piece, I think, of technology is the process piece. And when I meet a lot of like smaller teams, you know, founders especially, I think process, that word is like scary. It's like, ooh, no, no, no. Like we've got this kind of special sauce. Like the chaos is the special sauce. And you're like, is it though? I don't know. How do you get people to understand how powerful a process can be? But also how do you make it approachable? Like I have seen, you know, misuse where somebody's like, you know, there's 20 kind of sub checklist boxes to one task. And I'm like, this is out of control. Like nobody's going to check. The, like this is too much. I guess, how do you convert people and how do you make it so it's approachable for non-organized Organized types like you and I? So I've got probably two answers to this. There's one that might be a little bit controversial. Go for it. <laughs> but I think, I just feel like everything really does start with people. Like, I've known, I know I've just said that we need the system to support the people and it's really important. But again, it's also really important that we've got the right people in the right seats. So mm. if you've got somebody in your business and, you know, you're building a new process out, maybe they've been doing the process a certain way for however long and they don't like change, but this process is gonna make them do it quicker and more efficiently and smoother with reduced risk and all these different things. I think the question can sometimes be, are they the right people to be in your organization if they're not willing to move with with you and evolve with you and evolve with your systems and your processes and be on deck to do that. So I think that's probably one. (laughs) I am so with you on that. I had a conversation with a client about us, inter, you know, implementing a sales CRM, and I'm like, it is industry standard. Mm-hmm. If you cannot work with a sales CRM, you're not going to go to another business, and they're not. They're, of course, they're going to have a sales CRM. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have that feeling where it's like we have to keep up, and people have to be willing to change. And chaos is not acceptable. You know, like we want to create some order so that also there's better employee retention so that you're happier. So like the structure may seem awkward and yucky at first, but there's always a purpose there. And that's to 
make you happier and to have business continuity and all these kind of smart things. So I'm totally with you there. If there's resistance to change, I have patience into a certain point and then it's like, get on board, man. You got to get on board. We're, it's only going to get more this way. Yeah. So you can't stay where you're at. And, and in the online space as well, I, I suppose when I meet with a client, a potential client, like I really do vet them, mm. you know, as a person, but in business as well. And, you know, they might say, I need, I need operations and I need systems and I need all these things. But then I'm, some people have worked with others and they've gone in there and then the CEO is resistant to change. They're like, well, I don't really want to use that system and I don't really want to do it that way. It's like, well, you know, you've come to me for help. <laughs> let me help you. Like, let me show you. So I think then I, I tend to only work with those people that really, really want the support. So my, um, vet, I say vetting, but it's more, the inquiry process is quite, I do focus on that quite heavily to identify if they're the right fit for me because, again, it comes back to relationships and I want that to be a success, not just for me, but for them massively, obviously. So, but, you know, then when you're working as part of a team and then putting a new process in place and, you know, somebody might just not understand how this can help. They're like, well, I don't actually, you know, they've not all got our brains. I think we are quite unique people <laughs> with operations and process mindset like well, I can't understand but oh my god you know when they do like it just lights me up so much it's so exciting it's like that moment too where it's sometimes really hard because we can see the dominoes and how they're gonna fall and it's very hard to explain that to people who don't you just can't see that because they haven't had that experience but then once they see it oh my god then they're the ones ideating and like can we do this and can we integrate this and like can I automate this? And like, you're like, sure, let's figure out how to do it, you know? And then you're sort of like refining how they think about creating process and automation. Yeah. But that moment, the light switch turns on, it, nothing, nothing jazzes me up more than that for yeah. sure. So brilliant. Yeah. And it's so funny. You're so right. They, they really do then bring all the ideas. I've got, <laughs> I've got a client at the moment and she's like, when we execute her podcast process, like she just loves it. Like all she has to do, same as you, come in, record it. The rest gets taken care of by the team. You know, if there's an issue, somebody might talk about it within the team. She hasn't got to deal with it. Like everybody's quite self-sufficient. Again, bringing it back to, you know, bringing the right people into the business. And then she's just so blown away by, oh my God, this has just been done. Like it's just done. Like she's not going to do anything. And she's like, and it's because we've got those standard operating procedures in place and they could just get to follow them they just follow the process follow the process time and time again whether the CEO is in the business or not it gets done and yeah it's that moment when they're like oh my gosh this this is game changing game changing it's interesting because process actually, if it's done well, it allows you to be more creative and to use your skill sets better. There is that transition period where sometimes it gets a little, it gets worse before it gets better, which I always kind of try and warn my clients. I'm like, listen, it's going to suck a little bit more for about a month or so. It's like maybe six weeks and then it's going to get better. But then what you start to see is that people really start to, again, like bring up those ideas, figure out how else we could do things, see how we can, you know, market this better or do this. And that's when I feel like, I don't know, that energizes my battery. I, I can tell you're like, you feel that too. It's, it's once you get over that hurdle, man, a team can really fly and, and people can listen. I mean, people work for a lot of different reasons, but I think one of the reasons is to figure out, you know, where they get joy, where they get energy from. And it's not 
checking a box and doing a, it's not that. (laughs) So the more that you can automate the things that suck or create something standard that's easy to do so that they can do the work that really energizes them. I don't know. I just feel like the progress I've been able to see in businesses, that's exciting because that's where all the surprises happen. And then I see things that I didn't even think could happen because we gave someone time to think and do things differently. Let's talk the inside scoop. So this is like the stuff that people have questions on, but they don't really know how to ask it. And I think the first one is, let's say someone's listening to us and they're like, oh, it sounds like I might need this. Um, <laughs> like, what are the boxes that they should check to say, I need an online business manager? Like, what are some like mental check boxes? Mm, good question. How long is the piece of paper? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it a scroll. <laughs> okay. So I think you've already touched on this, like chaos. If it's chaos, if it's just constant chaos and maybe the business owner is just reacting to everything, you know, mm. opening emails and just putting out fires. There's just fires everywhere before they can even actually get to the work that they need to do to drive the business forward. I think that is a one big fat tick, <laughs> tick box. Um, I think as part of that can also be, you know, if you've got a team, then if you're spending a lot of time of directing the team, managing the team, supporting the team, you know, you might not have standard operating procedures in place because that can help to an extent to like, you know, here's how you do it, go and do it, here's the task. You shouldn't need to come and ask me any questions, providing that that process has been really detailed out, whether that's in a written format or whether that's in a video format. And team management can take up so much time anyway, so the, the SOPs and systems will help to an extent, but as the team gets bigger, you know, you then become a team manager. So that's another box. You know, if you think, yeah, I'm spending a lot of time team managing, then this online business management can come in and separate and act as that filter between the team and the CEO to really free up their time. Um, What else? What else? I think control. Like if a business owner is can't let go of some parts of the business because they're trying to keep control of it, I think that's something to identify. People might not be as... I suppose, open to identifying and raising their hand about that. But I get a lot of clients that come to me and say, I just need, feel like I need to stay in control of everything to ensure that everything is going smoothly. So then then what comes with that partnership with an online business manager is, and that's what, it's so funny because we say online business manager, but the role is essentially like, almost like a coach as well and like a business totally. mentor and training, training them in the systems, but also training them and supporting them in how to manage their day. So like not opening your emails first thing in the morning and help, and that comes with helping them let go of control a little bit. And with that partnership, it's trust. It all comes then down to trust. Control is all about, you know, having trust with, you know, a team member or your systems or, you know, whatever it is, the way that you're operating within your business. So, yeah. I swear you read my brain because the next question was, <laughs> uh, what percentage of clients that you work with do you think have a hard time letting go of control? <laughs> <laughs> like 110%. <laughs> Do you know what? You either get one one way or one the other. You've got one mm. who like, needs to be in control or you've got one who's just absolutely not interested. <laughs> and and that, they are also very difficult as well, you know, to be able to like, I actually need you in here or I need you to understand this or I need you for this. You know, I think that's the other thing, you know, an online business manager doesn't just come in and just like take over your business they really need to still work 
closely with that business owner. So it's not just like drop a business uh, online business manager in, business is taken care of. That's not how it works. Um, you know, you partner with them. That's what it is. It's that you actually partner with somebody. You share your brain. You share the workload. I always say they're like a second brain. They are literally like a second brain. Yeah. We talk about like the light bulb moment when people realize that how they can be empowered through process and automation. Is there that light bulb moment with founders or CEOs that you have when all of a sudden they realize in letting go that they've gotten they've gotten what they needed and more? Like, is there a certain point in that relationship that you've found that it happens, or is it different for every client that you work with? Yeah, I think it's just the timeline. Mm. The timeline. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, some some are like within a couple of months, you know, nothing's going to happen, like you say, the first four or six weeks can be a little bit rough because we're just getting in there, we're just understanding the business, we're learning about the business owner, we're learning the meeting the team. But then I think, like you say, after six weeks, they start, okay, that's been done and I haven't got to do that anymore. Okay, And it's just like this kind of realisation. I just love it. I love watching them like go through it. And I just, it's just a timeline. Yeah. There's like some clients, it's within, you know, maybe six, six weeks. Some it might be like four months. So. It is. So I'm kind of going through a mini version of that with my team member, Andrea, that I've mentioned. And I, I did have a moment this last week where I was like, I don't, have to figure out this problem. She can do that. And as an operator, you know, you sort of always, and you're always the one that has to solve it. And I'm like, I have her brain and it's brilliant. She can solve this way better than I can right now. And it was like, it's weird. It's like all of a sudden you don't feel alone. And it's, it's such a strange feeling because part of you is like, is this going to go away? Like, can I trust it? But then also part of it is like, I'm free. <laughs> I can live my life. You know, like I can enjoy this more. Um, there is, it's like a weird emotional thing that maybe we don't talk about a lot, but this whole thing is quite emotional. And there is that coaching component constantly. And it definitely is different with every type of person or founder that you're working with. So let's talk about like before and after transformations. You know, what kind of business transformations have you seen in your experience, you know, pre-online business manager and then post-online business manager, you know, doing their thing? Mm. Yes, so one client really comes to mind where she has a meal prep business and we worked together for a year. And, you know, she was making six figures, multiple six figures. And I actually don't understand how she was doing it. (laughs) I have absolutely no idea how she was running the business. Because when she came to me, it was like complete And when I'm like uncovering all these things, you know, we're trying to uncover as much as we possibly can in that initial strategy session, but it's identifying what is the biggest fire at the minute? Like what is taking up so much of your time that you can't do other things? And the the number one thing was communication. Now it wasn't just with the team, it was with customers as well. Like she mm. was coming in at all different angles. They were coming into emails. They were coming into the inquiries inbox. They were texting her. They were in the DMs on Instagram. They were in WhatsApp. It was just so many, just too many communication platforms. So that was like the first thing that we needed to streamline. But what came with that was also training of communication for everybody else. And, and for her as well, you know, she was just obviously like a yes person because this is a business and it's running really well and she wants to help everybody. And I think I think the only way that it, she was able to do all of that 
successfully is because she truly deeply loved what she was doing like she yeah. loved it she loved it so much um because she's probably running on fumes like i find oh. most founders they're just you know yeah. they've been running on fumes for years because they love the thing and they mm-hmm. want to keep going but they've hit that wall and man I, I, i've seen that so many times we're like how are you standing right now do you need yeah. to sit down do you need a nap i think so yeah. so what what was that transition in kind of seeing going from that state of like, how are you even functioning right now to then bringing you on and, and that transition? Like, what did that look like in, I guess, her worlds? She knew she needed help, but she didn't know what kind of help it was, you know, and I, I get messy. I've got a message at the minute. I need to get back to somebody about this is what's happening. I don't know if you're the one who can help me. It sounds like it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And she was able to come to me because she'd got a recommendation from somebody else and she'd seen how I transformed her business as well. So, yeah, we, you know, one of the first things is we streamlined communications. When we did a ton of so many different things. But I suppose the transformation of me coming in, streamlining a business, the systems, communications, hiring the team, like she had you know, kitchen staff cooking all the food and everything, but she didn't have an internal team. So that was me. And we brought on a virtual assistant as well who was able to then take all the processes that she was doing and just run with that. And she nailed it as well. She was such a great fit. But what she's doing now is actually opening her own store. Like wow. A year. Like we literally worked year Woo. to year with that. And she's she's opening up her own um, food store, like restaurant and co-working space. And that is the absolute power in it. Hiring this level, this level of support. This is what, this is the thing is that it's really a specialist role. It's a high level role. You know, we can manage so many different moving pieces and people and data and all them different areas of business that it freed her up to then go and open her own restaurant. Like, I don't know if there's any better transformation than that. Mm. Um, yeah, and she's, you know, she's got her own products and we're getting them in supermarkets and, oh, yeah, there's just tons. But the fact that she's actually opening her own store now is just absolutely phenomenal. Wow. That that must feel surreal to yeah. go through that in such a short time too. It's amazing yeah. how much you can transform in such a short amount of time. Also, time feels weird these days too. So like a, a year can feel like a long time, but <laughs> – that's insane to open up a store to go from that to that. Wow. Now, if people are hearing you and they're like, I want to be like Lauren. <laughs> I want to be an online business manager. <laughs> I want to rule the world. Um, you know, they're they're also like hearing your skills and, and they're like, I don't fit in that box either. Like I'm having a hard time figuring out how to do this. What would you recommend they do to become, to I guess, get into that business, online business management world? How would you recommend them starting? As an online business manager. Yeah, probably there. Or if they just say, hey, I'm hearing some things that I am and I would like to get more information on this. Where would you start them? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think it's just start. Like, don't put too much into it. Like, don't worry too much. I think maybe in the beginning about branding, although branding is very important in my, my perspective. But I think it's just get, I think it really is just getting that first client. And if you've come from that background and you've got those skills, try them out. Like try them out in their business. You know, you might not want to try and work with like maybe a seven, eight figure business, you know, from the beginning, but you'll want to find a client who maybe has not had an OBM before. And again, they don't really know what they, what they can do in helping their business. 
and trial out some of the thing, you know, transition that previous experience into their business. But also, you know, carving out that learning and development time as well, like you said about all the platforms and tools and trying to keep up with it like, I'm subscribed to all like the key systems and the amount of emails that they send me with new updates. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is actually yeah. ridiculous. I can't, <laughs> so, I can't keep up. I try so hard. It's yeah, really so, difficult. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, just, just keep learning. Like you've really got to keep learning and, and build your own frameworks as well. So like once you've got a process in place, when you've built a framework, like I do this for the first phase, second phase, third phase, that's a framework. And you can then implement that into other businesses. I think the other thing is is that you've got to be careful that sometimes that particular framework might not work for another business model because all businesses are different. All business owners are completely different as well. So I think that's I think that's the challenge, or that's the challenge that I've seen a lot of other online business managers go through is okay, I've got to do it this way. Because we're so like process, 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 it can become too rigid. And that's not what we want. We don't want to put our clients into a box either. Mm. Really then, once you've really built up that skill set, it's really learning how to bend and flex within that structure. Like I kind of like to describe it as like that's the structure is like the masculine, you know, the, the, the structure of a business. But then the feminine can come through and bend and flex and get creative and move within those systems and processes and, and people as well. So, yeah, I think learning how to be adaptable and flexible when you start working with different people is really, really important. That's a really good point. And there's so many small businesses that even if you have a couple years experience, could really use support. So even if you're sort of getting your sea legs, you know, throw them a discount and just say, hey, I'm figuring this out. You're figuring your stuff out. Can I try and help you with that? I remember actually one of my first clients, like now thinking back, like that's how it went was, hey, I see that you could just use some help in making this a little smarter, this like the way that you're working. Like, can I just come into your office and help you? And, you know, it was a lot of filing cabinets back in the day. Now it's more digital, but both people are benefiting then and learning. And it's still somebody that I keep in contact today. So it's that's how you also build your relationships. It's just like getting in the ring and like getting in there and trying it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think relationships is just so key. You know, not seeing them as like, okay, you're going to help me, you know, build my business. It's oh, it's just so much more than that. And I think yeah. that's one thing I brought in because I think it's something that I've always valued. But now I really, really value that genuine connection and building that relationship with people. And oh, yeah, definitely. So let's wrap up getting to know you more as a human with some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to shoot some questions your way. You just answer it as quickly as you can so we can get to know you. Okay. First thing is, what's your favorite part of the day? Ooh, probably the morning time. I love to exercise and come back, have my breakfast and then coffee. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. What book are you currently reading or what audio book are you listening to? Oh, I'm reading about three books, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm reading, well, I'm dipping in and out of the Gene Keys, which Ooh. helps you um, learn more about yourself and uncover your true potential. And then I've got Traction by Gino Wickman, which I'm rereading because I do really like that book. And then there's another one I'm reading. Oh, The Power of Now. So, so yeah, so good. So, yeah, and I'm rereading that one as well. <laughs> I'm a big reader too. What is the best purchase that you have made under $50? 
Oh, loads. <laughs> so like, I'm going to say this. I literally just went for my water <laughs> This bottle is one green bottle, and I bet I've had, I've probably had about six because I leave them everywhere. But, you know, I'm saving the planet at the same time, but it is just, like, it goes everywhere with me, and I absolutely love it. So, yeah, that's the best purchase. <laughs> love it. Uh, what is your favorite quote? Ooh. Oh, I've actually got it on my screen here. Yeah, let's hear uh, it. So, quality is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, and skillful execution. That's beautiful. Wow. That's a good one. Mm. What do you think is the most important lesson that you've learned at this point in your life? (laughs) (laughs) I'm throwing some toughies your way. I would probably say slowing down because like I said, in my twenties, I was running around like a headless chicken and then when I had that break to travel, like we really slowed down and it was so beautiful to not have any responsibilities. We didn't have the house, the job, anything. And that, like we were speaking earlier about that space that it creates for you to be creative or yeah, just think about what it is that you really want. So I think slowing down is something that I'm trying to be really intentional with and making sure that I've got that space and being intentional as well. I believe that being really intentional even with like the food that I eat knowing how that's going to impact my energy like being really intentional I think is just 100% going to lead to success whatever your success is that is last one for you which is what do you want to be when you grow up oh (laughs) I just want to be happy and and I've always said that whenever my parents asked me what I wanted to be when I was older it was like I just want to be happy. So I think in in achieving that, it's finding the work that we really love to do, but also that what we're really good at and it's, I suppose, comes really natural to us, that then we're going to be fulfilled and at peace and, yeah, happy. Beautiful. Um, so people have been listening to us and they're like, I want to see what Lauren's up to. I want to get a peek of her brain. Where can we uh, point people to find you? So website is laurenleeobm.com. And most of the time I'm on Instagram if you want to check anything out. Personal and professional. I like to mix it up on there as well. (laughs) Love it. Lauren, thank you so much for your brain and, and really just breaking open this world of online business management. It's really been truly a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I absolutely love this conversation. It's been amazing. Me too. Uh, Also, another big thank you to our wonderful audience for listening to Secret Ops. Please make sure to follow us wherever you find your podcasts and check us out at secret-ops.com. We'll see you next time. Hey, listener. Do you want to be a top operator in business and in life? Well, we at Secret Ops are here to help you do just that. Check out our monthly Secret Ops newsletter with exclusive intel just for you. From bonus content to secret resources, we've given you the VIP access. To sign up, check out the link in the description. And as always, thanks for listening.